attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. Today on the podcast, oh, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is one you guys have all been waiting for. Reva Schwartz, and Karen Setker. The Women of Ojibwa series continues with Reva and Karen. What is there to say? It's unbelievable. You guys are going to love it. You're going to love it so much, we're going to get right to it. Keeping it short and sweet here on the opening for Steve. (laughs) Okay, without further ado, here we go. Reva Schwartz and Karen Setker on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Saturday night and you're still hanging around. First and foremost, please state your name and your years at camp. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get the hard questions out of the way to begin with. Okay, my name is Reva Schwartz. And uh, the first time I came to camp was in 1958 when Mickey was very serious about me. And uh, he, it was not, he was kind of embarrassed to be bringing his girlfriend to camp. Sure. So he introduced (laughs) me as Ellen's friend. And that was... And that, that was my introduction to camp. Wow. We got married the next year in 1959, and um, in September 59, so Mickey and I had a few months by ourselves before we were, before I lived at camp, mm-hmm. and we had a room in the counselor's lodge, and at that time, I understand, I understand my understanding of camp now is that counselors do not congregate in the counselor's lodge after not so much. after activities. At that time, that was the thing to do. Mm. Everybody came to the counselor's lodge after the activities and the kids went to bed. So all the counselors would be there in the room, and Mickey and I would get up to go into our room and would say goodnight, and all the heads would turn towards us, goodnight, Mickey and Reva. <laughs> and... Uh, Jimmy Marovitz had the room on the other side of the fireplace. He mm. was the camp manager. And uh, I the walls were not real thick. So I'd say, <laughs> good night, honey. And Jimmy would say, good night, honey. <laughs> so that was my 19, uh, after we were married in 15, so it was the 60, 1960, uh, the summer of 60. And I was there every year until we sold camp through 85. Mm. Excellent. And did you know, or had you heard about Camp Ojibwa before you came there, before you met Mickey? 
I grew up in Iowa, in Sioux City, mm. Iowa, where camps were not a big thing. Sure. And uh, I didn't know anything about Camp Ojibwa until I, I went to University of Illinois, and of course there was a big group of Ojibwa guys there, but yeah, really sure. they talked about camp, and my idea of camp for kids that are over 13 it just didn't seem like why would anyone want to go to camp at that age don't they want to be home with all their friends and the girl thing and sure and uh, so no I really didn't know about camp until I got um, more much more involved with Mickey nice well because I'm sure the audience would like to know can you tell us a little bit about how the two of you met and got together sure um, I was in college with Ellen and uh, I was uh, in, pinned to another boy, mm-hmm. and Mickey had just come out of the Army, and he was looking for dates, and so he had people in different colleges. We were very young at that time. I mean, it's so different now. Sure. And uh, he was looking to be fixed up. They didn't go to bars then, and he uh, asked Ellen to look around for him, so she, after I broke up with my boyfriend, that she asked if she could fix me up with her with Mickey. Nice. And he was actually my first date. He was my first date after I broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> what well, seems like it went pretty well. I think so. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you come to camp, and what's your reaction? I mean, you know, like you said, you thought camp was a thing that people stopped doing when they were thirteen. How did you feel about it once you got there and saw it for the first time? Oh, I was really surprised. And the thing that I loved about camp was that how the kids became friends for life. Mm. And um, it was quite an operation. I mean, it was it really impressed me. Uh, one of the things I was also surprised about after Mickey proposed to me, because he proposed to me, he said, Reva, you're going to be so lucky. He said... All your friends, they won't be having, you know, they'll have breakfast with their husbands and then they won't see them again until uh, after, uh, you know, dinner time. And he says, you're going to be, we can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner together and all this time together. And I'm picturing intimate meal times with sure. him. And <laughs> surprised. Sure, I was having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Mickey and 300 other people. <laughs> I suppose that's not exactly what you were thinking. Yeah. No. <laughs> but he sold me. That's wonderful. So you got married, and then you came to camp, and then you lived at camp, and you said you guys lived in the counselor's lodge. Well, we did for the first year while our, our cabin was being built. So the ah. second year, we were in our cabin. Which is now Joel's. That's the cabin Rachel's. that's Joel and Rachel's house right. now. Right. And we, there were, our cabin was divided into two sections, and one side was for one room, was for Mickey and me, and the other room was for the doctor at the time. Ah. And was it the same kind of thing then where uh, doctors would come up that were either like parents or just connected to camp in some way, and they would come and stay Connected for... to camp in some way. Yeah. Right. Awesome. You go in, you have an official job at camp after you, after that? A title, I suppose? <laughs> well, I was looking for a job because in those days, uh, women, there were very few women on camp. Right. Uh, and I was looking for a place. And um, there wasn't a lot to do because you couldn't be in campgrounds um, 
during certain periods of time. You couldn't be at the waterfront when the boys were at the waterfront. If sure. you were a girl in a bathing suit, you couldn't be down there at the time that the boys were down there. So uh, they did find a job for me. I was a teacher, and so I tutored some of the boys um, uh, during their free time. And that was my big job hmm. the first couple of years until I got into the office. And then, then eventually when I had um, a summer girl who could take care of my kids because I had real little ones, sure. and uh, then I had my office job. And we're certainly going to talk about the kids, but would you like to tell us who your kids are? Uh, Karen Schwartz-Sutker. Uh, Billy Schwartz and Barry Schwartz. Excellent. And uh, all of which will have at one point eventually have appeared on the podcast. Two already have. We'll cover the rest of that today. I've heard about that podcast. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's good. And I think we cut out anything that would be offensive. So. <laughs> the boys were offensive? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there was a couple of questionable stories, but uh, we just pulled the plug completely and said, nope, let's keep it, keep it nice and clean. Tell me a little bit about Alan Pearl. I think you probably have a very unique perspective, um, given your position in the family. So tell me a little bit about Alan Pearl. Well, of course, you know, Al is a legend at camp. Uh, and he was a very kindly man. He was a humorous guy. He knew how to handle people. Uh, he kept peace in the kitchen he said his his project was really always the kitchen and the food mm. which was very important to him and he was very good at handling all those personalities in the kitchen where uh, the temperature and tempers can get very hot during the summer sure uh, he also had a way with the campers I mean he would get them they would come up uh, to talk to him about their big problem and he would get them all confused, and f by the time they were finished talking to him, they wouldn't know what their problem was anymore. <laughs> I mean, he just had a way about him. Everyone loved him. Mm. And Pearl was uh, very organized and a perfectionist. He was outstanding in the... Uh, she was a former uh, dancer, performer mm. herself professionally, and she knew how to handle um, stage productions, et cetera. So she had a, a big hand in, in that. Uh, she liked to... Um, well, I, um, I will say that though many people who've talked about Pearl have said she was a little uh, tough. Uh, yes. You know, taskmaster has been thrown around a little bit from time, but that she was sort of the iron fist. True. She yeah. was the iron fist, right. And but she was very organized and she was very smart and um, she was a big force of camp. I mean, she really was Al's right hand and yeah. uh, she was the rule maker and you probably heard that before. Sure. Um, what else can I say? What was the question again? <laughs> just uh, just talking about Alan Pearl in general. One of the things loving. Oh, yeah. she loved every all the campers. Mm. She was like the camper's mother. Yeah. And uh, she would, you know, we all we all knew every individual camper. Um, the good part of being in the office was that each camper had an envelope with their money in it. Sure. So 
uh, we kept we kept it. Uh, uh, they got their envelopes and their money when they had trip day, and they needed the money. So we would get to meet individually each camper, get mm. to know them by sight, get to know them by their name, um, and it was a very good way for me to really get acquainted with all of them. Learn I knew all the, all the boys. Yeah. That's wonderful. I just, I wanted to ask, because I think that uh, perspective wise, so often, if it, like if a kid comes in and gets recruited to camp or whatever, or even a, a young staff man, they're probably hired by Al. There's a certain amount of like awe that goes with that. And because uh, you're marrying into the family, you don't necessarily come with that. You get a more grown up perspective and get to sort of make your own judgments as a grown up. So sure. I thought you might have you know, um, a, a very different perspective coming into that without all the built in, uh, you know, but I'm happy to hear that Alan Pearl is still incredible. Yeah, they were. That's it. They Either were. way. So as the, you talked about working in the office as the years go on and you're working at camp and you're there every summer, what are some of the things about camp that you, that are your favorites? What are the things you really look forward to each summer? Either something you're participating in or just some specific aspect of things? Well, I love the personalities at camp. I love the the friendships at camp. I love the uh, being brought out of the city and into the country and mm. a complete change of life. Uh, it was always like a culture shock when I came back and went to Old Orchard the first time <laughs> or sent my kids <laughs> to the the uh, school bus and they were the only ones with dirty sneakers for shoes or not new clothes <laughs> because we came back the day before school started. Uh, but I loved uh, I loved making those close friendships. I liked meeting uh, the kids, the uh, fathers who came up. In those days, the fathers came and stayed who wanted to, so mm-hmm. we got to know a lot of them, not so much the mothers. Sure. stayed in the dance lodge, which is now 14. Right. And, and that uh, was a pretty regular thing. So several dads would be there each summer. Right? Yeah, but yeah. not for the whole summer. They'd right, come just up come up for, up for a couple for, days. Hmm. The interesting personalities, and and um, I also learned how to play tennis at camp, which was a love of my life. Mm. And I would, we would now, who were we going to play to play with Pearl every rest period? And uh, she depended on me to play. Oh, this, wait, 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 backtrack. This was after Molly Baum left. Do you okay. know Molly Baum? I've heard her name many times. Now she was Pearl's best friend, basically. Is the yes. way it was said to me, right? Yes, and uh, they were uh, perform dancer perform. They danced together, uh. performed on stage together, and um, when Alan Pearl started the camp, and I don't, I forgot when they came up, but um, she came up with her husband. Molly came up with her husband Hank, and Hank ran the waterfront, and Molly was the secretary. Ah. And Pearl watched over her. <laughs> and uh, they played tennis every every rest hour. So when I wanted to play tennis and I had to learn, uh, I was not part of that until till Molly and Hank left. And then Pearl would depend on me to play tennis. But we played only played doubles because we only had the court for an, an hour and a half during rest period. Mm. So we had to draft people. 
<laughs> counselors, campers, <laughs> anyone who, who was pretty good who maybe would play with us. Mm. And uh, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we thought, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? You know. Why don't you mention some of the names? Yeah. Um, they like hearing names of people. Okay. So, <laughs> see if I remember, if you remember all of them. I would imagine it's quite an honor for campers to have gotten asked to play in that game. I mean, that would be. Well, we didn't think so. <laughs> right, but for the campers, we're finding this out later. You know, we thought we were asking people, and and we were like, I don't want to bother them. You know, I don't want to. Well, they got out of rest period. They got out of rest period, mm-hmm. but still. So you know, do they want to play with us? Um, well, one of the guys you mentioned before, Gary Greenberg. Mm. Uh, he, he played with us, uh, the tennis counselor sometime, uh, Richie Ader. I know I love playing with Richie Ader, Stuart Salzburg, uh, Steve Lewis, mm. always Steve Lewis. So the tennis was a big, big part of it. Tell me a little bit about, uh, Denny coming in and, uh, being at camp and then eventually Sandy. How was, how did you guys interact? How did that? Okay. Go? Denny's first year was my first year. Oh, so, so he was a counselor in cabin one, and, and that was my first year at camp. And he was a good counselor, hmm. you know, as far as I was concerned. Um, <clears throat> I loved it when he brought Sandy to camp because yeah. now I could have a friend. Sure, of course. And she and I were the only uh, women of our, you know, our generation. Right. Other than Pearl. And um, other than, you know, the kitchen staff at that time, it was not, they were not college girls. Mm. They were these, you know, older Wisconsin women. So I loved it when Sandy came to camp. She was my best friend. Why don't we move on and we'll start with you. Okay. And then we'll get you to sort of the same point And then we'll sort of talk about kind of remembered stories, collectively remembered stories, things like that. Again, first and foremost, for the record, please state okay. your my name. My name is Karen Schwartz Sutker. My years at camp were... 1962 through 1984 when I graduated college and then I think I've been at camp almost every year since then whether it was post camp or visiting my boys who go to camp mm-hmm. or something like that awesome awesome you went away to camp oh but I was still at camp I went to Agwok for 9 summers okay. camp Agwok in mm-hmm. Manaqua for 9 summers but Agawak usually started later than Ojibwa by sometimes a day, sometimes two. There was one time it was even a week. Oh, wow. And I spent my time at Ojibwa, so I also knew a lot of the campers. Nice. And then I would come back and go to post camp. So our family was gone almost three months every summer. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, that's great. So you kind of get a double camp experience. You get a little Ojibwa time and a little Agawak time. That's wonderful. So as, uh, very youngster, before your camp age, you're running around and you're just at camp all summer Completely long. Completely running around at camp. And how did the, you're the first Grandchild. Uh, kid, right, the first kid at camp in mm-hmm. that sort of era. Uh, how do the campers, how do you relate to the campers? How do they Oh, I love the you? campers. I spent a lot of time with the campers. I spent a lot of time um, running around, playing on the monkey bars. Sure. They're, they're, that silver structure yeah that jungle gym thing sort of the big square thing right the campers i played with them all the time nice and did they like like you or were they like oh the kid Uh." no i think they liked me yeah (laughs) i think they liked me they love her and they're 
were some counselors who loved her, and we saw that wherever there was a crowd gathered when Karen was a little girl, mm-hmm. we knew Karen was right in the middle. They would form <laughs> this crowd around her. No, she had she had many friends and admirers from nice. the first day one. Sure. And I was pretty outgoing and... I just loved people, yeah. and so it was a perfect environment. That's awesome. I've seen it a little bit with uh, Ari and Noah and watching them kind of grow up, and when they were little and kind of running around and just whatever they wanted to get into, oh, great. Right. And the kids would just crowd around them and love that. So yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have friends that are Ojibwe? You have friends that are Ojibwe guys, but did you have friends from home that were also coming to camp? So um, does that make sense? Well, I grew at. up in Wilmette, and there weren't wasn't a huge influx of people from Wilmette that went to Ojibwa. There were a handful, um, and yeah, I mean, I the, the handful that I knew, I I knew, and yeah. it was fun that I knew them. But really, most of the kids were camp kids. That I, I guess was that was with. that was sort of what I was trying to get at. Was there sort of like three sets of friends, like home friends, Ojibwa friends, and Agawak friends, and and how oh, much crossover was happening? Absolutely. With that? And were the Ojibwe kids and the Agawak kids at that time kind of the same from the same area? Or um, yeah, I mean it was pretty much North Shore. All North Shore. Because um, I've heard some of the like the later groups talk about you know it got very Highland Park or it got very like very specific areas as opposed to um, some of the earlier guys who were like well some were from the city and some you know were from when the I when I was younger and went to camp I was evidently little and I didn't really pay any attention to where anybody came from sure. they were just people that I knew from camp. Sure. When I grew older, it was really fun for me, like um, the kids that were my age, when I was in high school and I was a cheerleader and we would go play other schools in the area. Oh, sure. I would know, you know, a lot of the guys or girls from Agwak or Ojibwa. And it was really fun for me to go to those games. That's awesome. Because I knew so many people. And, um, And then... That was really the only time I thought about where people were from. Gotcha. I didn't really. I mean, I knew there were a lot of Highland Park people, but it wasn't like it wasn't something that, that stood out to you or had right. to stand out. Right. No. Uh, uh, what made you go to Agawak? What made you choose Agawak? Mom. <laughs> or did you get to choose it? Karen did not get to choose Agawak. <laughs> well, we we did visit some other camps. We visited all the camps, and it, we had to be, of course, very politically correct because this camp. As camp directors, we were sending our daughter. It was like we were choosing the camp. And uh, there were beautiful camps up there. Utmost in our minds was safety. We had to make mm-hmm. sure, no matter how beautiful the camp was, and even though the kids were having a good time, we, as, as being in charge of a camp in primary concern is safety, uh, paid very close attention to that aspect of all the other camps. And um, there was a connection, a family connection to Agawak because uh, Al's nephew owned Agawak for a while. Sonny Gilbert. Sonny Gilbert, right. Sonny Gilbert. So Alan had gone to camp there, and uh, that was a very strong connection. Gotcha. But uh, we thought that that Agawak fit Karen's... Uh, personality and needs. Very nice. It, well, it was a competitive camp, and it had a lot of structure. Right. So it was pretty similar to, to Ojibwa. Ojibwa, mm. right. And, and I felt comfortable because my cousin Peggy Gilbert was there. Oh, okay. She was basically one of the only people that I knew. I was that's, eight years old. That's interesting right. because I didn't realize that. Yeah. 
Well, she was white team captain and I was blue team mascot. But she wow. was, Karen was ready for camp uh, probably when she was seven. And that was my worst summer at Ojibwa. Oh, I was you very were ready upset. To... I wasn't, I was ready. I wanted to play sports. I wanted to do everything. And, and I wasn't allowed Ojibwa except for swimming and horseback camp. riding. Ojibwa <laughs> was a boys' camp and, and she wouldn't be permitted. Sure. They loved you, but they weren't going to let you play softball. Right. <laughs> and I wanted to. Yeah. I can see where that would be very tough, especially if you could have competed because you, you were athletic. I was and, ready. Yeah. Very physically. Yeah. You could ready. have stayed, you could have kept up with the seven year old right. boys, certainly. So she went out to girls' camp the day after her eighth birthday. Nice. And so Agawak, did you, were you a staff person at Agawak also? No, I was a staff person at Ojibwa. Ah. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. What was that like? That was great. It was really fun. I mean, I, I really, um, what was it like? Well, well I was, the, well, first of all, so what were your first jobs? of all, my job was, I helped run the waterfront. Okay. And I was a pretty decent water skier and, um, I helped run the water ski program, um, at Agawak was a big swimming camp. Mm. So, you know, my strokes were just right. Nice. And so I was helping with the boys with the swimming. And nice. when it rained, I had to, you know, hold the worms and do the fishing. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I had to really prove my, I was the first woman girl to work at Ojibwa, not in the kitchen. Oh, okay. It was the very right first. On. So, and I'm um, just going to interrupt one thing and say, she was always the center of a group when she was that little girl, and when she came back as a counselor, it was the same. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really had to um, prove my way because I was right. A, the first woman, right. girl, B, um, it was all boys, and I was the owner's daughter, and right. I didn't want any special treatment. Sure. So I feel like I really worked harder I mean I shouldn't say I worked harder than anybody else because everybody works hard but right. I really felt like I put in my hours and I did what I was supposed to right. and you had something and to prove more. in a, in a right. way yeah for sure I could see that yeah um and I believe you're the first to have a boat named after you is that I true? was the Karen Lynn uh and then uh, there was that was the red boat and then the Susan Rachel my cousin Susan was the brown boat and then Julie Lynn was the ski nautique which was an apple, <laughs> the <laughs> apple of every skier's eye. I see. Because the way I've heard it is that everyone was jealous of, of your boat, that, you know, that your boat was the fast one and you got to. Well, no, that, that was but so then, long. That was, I mean, they had that boat when I was little. Oh, so it had, day, it had been around forever. The day she was born is the day that they named that boat after Kim. Ah. So yes. that was the, when I liked skiing, that was the older boat. Gotcha. But by the time we get to the ski nautique, then, well, that's... Right. I see. Right. <laughs> so what I'm learning is everyone's jealous of everyone else's boat, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Susan said, my boat was by far the slowest. It essentially was it a was bathtub. It was a slow boat. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bathtub with an oar. <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, so you worked at the waterfront, and how long were you... How long did you Oh, do and I also was a timer and scorer for ah. um, basketball, mostly basketball. Once in a while, I was on, like, for soccer, um... Once in a while, field hockey hmm. or hockey on the field. Um, and I, I just, you know, did whatever they wanted me to do. Yeah. Now, was this when you would have been junior counselor age? Yeah, or? junior okay. counselor. So, so I was considered a junior counselor. Now they call it like JC1 and JC2. Right. They didn't then. It was just you were a junior counselor or you were a senior counselor. Gotcha. But, you know, I did my two years as a JC, and then I moved on to senior counselor. 
I worked there for six summers. Wow. And I lived in the other side, which of my parents' oh, cabin. Oh, Okay. And Where um, they were saying there's, it was two, there's two entrances and two bedrooms and two bathrooms and just divided by a wall and a sliding door. Gotcha. So um, it was great. Nice. I loved it. Uh, when you were a junior counselor, did you have to wait tables? I don't think I waited no. tables. No. No. Yeah. No, no, no. No, I sat at head staff. <laughs> so, well, right. I for sure didn't. I sat at head staff and I was a vegetarian, ah. which caused a little bit of a problem. Saying, in those days, you definitely. You know, it was a big meat and potato, you know. Sure. And I would eat around the meat. Even lasagna, I would pick out the meat and have cheese yes. lasagna. <laughs> I remember Andy Gilbert making fun of me. <laughs> well, I mean, the kitchen wasn't really prepared to do a bunch of special no. dishes or anything no. at that time. That no. was a, And so then you were a senior counselor as well. And eventually, did you just, uh, what made you stop going to camp? Was it just because you... Because we sold the camp. Oh, right. That's, I and see. And I graduated college. And then so on, so it was time to have a life and mm-hmm. whatnot. So let's bring you guys together. I mean, obviously, we're already kind of doing that. I want to talk about just fun stories, things that stick out. So uh, tell me, and you guys can both do this, tell me a great story about Mickey. <laughs> a great story about Dad. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if you mean funny or you mean something, uh, something that was just part of our life in him. You know, he, uh, he was on call 24 hours a day and we would get many knocks on the, the door in the middle of the night for some emergency. Uh, and he would have to get up and go take care of the emergency, whatever it was, whether it was a camper who, who uh, they needed to rush to the Eagle River Hospital for surgery or for whatever, or if a, uh, a, what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, what I was going to say is as my grandfather got older, mm-hmm. my dad took on more of the responsibility with the campers and the counselors. Gotcha. So my grandfather, while well, he was in charge of the kitchen and the grounds and all that, mm-hmm. my dad was the one that everybody went to when there were problems and issues and stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, and absolutely. I feel like dad in the folk, in the history and stuff, I kind of feel like he doesn't get the presence right. that he deserves. Gotcha. Right. I agree with that. Okay. Because uh, he put out the fires, the you know the kind of fires, the uh, whatever was happening at camp, whatever was bad, he would have to handle. And uh, no, he was the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. And everybody loves him. Yes, and that's what everybody says. That is everybody. Absolutely, the most true the thing. Every person I've talked yeah. to, absolutely huge love. Uh, I wondered about that too because uh, it. There's definitely, you, you can tell from the description of things that that transition sort of happens. That Was there a formal transition of that where Mickey no. sort of, or did it just sort of happen over time? No, it just sort of, uh, no, it just sort of happened. When Mickey came up there, he was, well, you you interviewed Mickey and what his jobs were. So, mm-hmm. uh, and as Karen said, as Al got older, he just kept throwing more at, gotcha. at Mickey when he was able to do it. He did it. You know, my grandfather went to got up very early in the morning. You know, probably five or six, way before all the campers. Sure. And would clean the grounds, and you know, run the trucks coming in and the deliveries and all that. Mm-hmm. But he went to bed very early. Mm. So you know, he was in That's bed by seven point. or eight. 
And, and there, a lot happens after that. The <laughs> yes. camp doesn't go to sleep at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Certainly so not. So he, he would miss a lot of the um, late evening activities, you know, even like, not the Jubilee, but certain shows or movies or whatever, because sure. he'd be asleep because he woke up so early. Gotcha. Yeah, Mickey was a... Uh, Mickey's a wonderful personality to be able to handle people, and he knew how to get the best out of people. Mm. Uh, uh, many, many times he would plant the seed of an idea or something to do, whether it would be with a counselor or, with a, or even with our head counselor, Denny, at the time, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And, and He's an uh, idea person. Yeah, and let them kind of, you know, develop it on their own or... Uh, Mickey knows how to handle people, and uh, he would do it very well with the little kids, the campers, you know, trying to make everyone happy, and uh, or the counselors. Yeah. But there were some pretty hairy times when you're right. dealing with all those lives. Sure, certainly. Things you never know about, you know, even the kitchen staff. Uh, you know, when they're adults or not adults, and they go to town and they get into trouble. Right. Who's the person? <laughs> Mickey. It always goes so. one way. Yeah, I mean, you could, I could tell just in our short conversation, like he's not big, loud, gregarious guy. He's more of the quiet, supportive type that is going to, and you could tell, like you could just feel that. But he's also commanding. Yes. He can be commanding. Like right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can see that sort of respect that mm-hmm. it, it, it's just there for and sure. And he can be tough. He was a captain in the army. Hmm. I was going to ask you guys about that. So it seems that over the years, um, especially early on, there was a little more of a military military kind of influence to camp. It had, and, and maybe that was just a sign of the times too, especially pre-war and kind of going through World War II and stuff. But like you know, military but style remember, bunks. And, we weren't there. Well, I know you weren't there for that part, but <laughs> no, absolutely, you were barely. A, no one was alive back then. Um, but right. sort of. Well, it's complete. Yeah, it's different now. Right. Lot, lot, I mean, just because I know because of my boys, and you know, we visited. My husband, Alan, had this um, prep camp, what's called right. prep camp. He started it. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to see what goes on. And right. it's completely, it's wonderful. It's absolutely fabulous. But it's, that style is different. It was right. more of a military style. Everybody lining up in cabin formations, lines on the right. white line. And um, the whistle, you know, my dad would blow the whistle and kids would line up. They had to enter the mess hall, you know, like single file. Right. A certain <laughs> I mean, formality to everything, right. Yeah. Now it's a lot more um, relaxed. Relaxed. Yeah. I guess I, that was sort of the root of the question was, you know, knowing where it kind of came from, was it during your time there, do you feel like it, it was starting to ease up or it no. was always no, kind of no, that way no, and then it no, changed no, no, no. more right. drastically? Change came when Danny, when Danny got there and he changed gotcha. it. Gotcha. When there were things at camp like um, Gold Rush Day or oh, that Circus was Day, I, things like when that. When I was little, right, well, um, we had a Circus Day booth. Uh, I was going to ask if you guys got to be involved in the that. The grandkids had a Circus Day booth. Wow. And that was so much fun. And it would, you know, usually be like, do you remember the booth yeah. we would have? And I don't remember which game it was, but it was always probably an easy one for us to manage. Sure. But, you know, I'm sure like my mom and, and my Aunt Ellen, <laughs> probably the babysitters helped a lot. And, um, and the cotton candy, they had a cotton candy machine, which was so mm. novel to us. I mean, that was oh, of course. really cool. And it was really fun to be able to go to all the different, um, 
cabins and play their games. Like that was really fun. And then Gold Rush Day, we did get to go and look for gold ah. in the um, shallow water. And so it was really fun doing that. And then all of a sudden the bandits would come. Right. Did you ever hear about the bandits? Well, please tell me. <laughs> some of, some of the most um, wild counselors, the characters, mm-hmm. would dress up. The Dave up, shares, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> would dress up as bandits and okay. with cap guns and come and scare the living daylights out of everyone. And, um, and they would come and they would want all the gold and then they would run away, and then that's when the cam- and then they got a few hours to run away and hide in the woods, mm. and then the campers had to find them. Like that was part of Gold Rush Day. Nice that you found the bandits. That's so we'd, awesome. We'd like look on the trails and stuff. Sure, and, you know, go behind cabin three and swamp trail <laughs> <laughs> and look for the bandits. It was really scary. I was yeah. saying, knowing some of those guys, I'm sure they were up trees and yeah, they were dug into yeah. holes in the ground and right. things like that. Right. That's so fun. Uh, speaking of bandits, I believe I've heard a story, and I hope you can tell me, uh, fill it out a little bit for me, about a powwow where maybe you were kidnapped. Does that sound familiar at all? I was married in a powwow. <laughs> <laughs> Never kidnapped? No. I feel like that's a different kind of story. I was married, um, I don't remember to who, but probably the chief at the time, mm. but they had me marry someone. Um, but I don't remember being kidnapped. Hmm. No. Possible. Maybe sure. they wanted to kidnap her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they used you in the story, but didn't actually physically use you yeah, in the skin. Maybe that was it. Maybe that's my, what it my, was. Um, white fawn. My, yeah, white fawn is my Indian name. I see. Well, tell I me about named, getting married in a powwow, though. That's I, a, I don't remember <laughs> specifics. Um, right. I, I think that, was I older. I, I was. I it must remember. have been when I was um, a counselor, but I don't really remember. I just remember. I remember getting married in a. In a powwow, but I don't remember the yeah. specifics. Maybe one of the other people can sure. fill you in on that. Uh, were you a brave? Were you made a brave, or just? I, I wasn't named a brave. I was an honorary brave named gotcha. White Fawn. Yeah, but that happened when I was younger, so I don't know how I could have been a brave. Yeah, but I was allowed to take the Braves Trail. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty big thing. a big deal, right? Yeah, I was you allowed. Start, when we have sort of multi-generational uh, with the guys, have the guys who like maybe their dads were at camp or they have kids at camp. So you have kids at camp. So tell me, first of all, tell me who your kids are because oh, they want to hear. Well, my, my girls are Danny and Nikki, and they went to Agwok for many years. And my boys are Tommy and Teddy, and they went to Ojibwa for many years. And so, so what was that like actually, for Tommy you? Tommy was even there the summer as a counselor. That's right. So. And he got to coach the week, in fact. Yes. Yes. Uh, how, uh, tell me what that was like for you to sort of like live, kind of live vicariously through those guys going to camp. And It was great because I knew what they were talking about. Mm. You know, most moms don't get it, you know, and they, you know, even if they went to camp themselves or it just, it was really cool because I knew everything that they were talking about. I yeah. knew about the leagues. I knew about, um, um, you know, all the special activities. Sure. Even I the silly stuff. The like, Braves. you know, with the weak benches and you know, and the be- well, the bench was different. It used to just be the yellow bench. Did you know that? I did. You know, they, they put it up in the, the yellow mess bench. hall. Yeah. They took the old yellow bench and put it in the mess hall and put all the years that it was up. Oh, there. that's and then so funny. Where in the mess hall? It hangs sort of by the head staff table. And then they have the red bench, which was also the in-between from what it is now and the yellow. Oh, that's very So they have funny. the two pieces and the years that each one was prominent. Yeah. Yeah, as a little funny. memorial. 
Um, so when they did the week bench, that was new to me. But, yeah. you know, so I knew it was new and I knew it was old. And when they would talk about things, I knew exactly what they were talking about. And I got it. Yeah. Because unless you go, don't, if you haven't been to Ojibwa, you don't, you understand, but it's not the same. Right. And even with visiting weekend, you only get so much of that. You oh, can't really no. tune in to what, what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. So it was special. That's awesome. You brought up earlier a little bit, you talked about the prep camp, um, yeah. Big Al's prep camp, which uh, I was proudly the very first counselor of. Yeah, I remember. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, I always tell people, we, did, we didn't really have it figured out yet. We didn't really no. figure out how many people it would take <laughs> to maintain 26-year-olds. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that is easily the least sleep I've ever had in a four-day period sure. of camp. I am sure. Um, but what brought that about? <laughs> what sort of like, do you remember how that kind of came to be? Or Exactly. Exactly? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, my husband really wanted to be with my boys <laughs> while they were away. That was... That was it? That was basically the premise. And okay. my husband, like my dad, is an idea person mm -hmm. and a very creative entrepreneur. And decided, wow, you know, I could do this and I can also help the camp by bringing younger kids and having them experience camp at the same time. Yeah. So. Now, did Al go to camp? He did not go to camp. Did he go to camp at like any camp at all? Or? No. Wow, that's interesting. No, he did not go to, to camp. To not have any he of that sort of experience. He would have been one of the great He would have been the characters, for sure. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. He would have been a character. I could just see him fitting in so well. It's just so surprising for him to not have any camp experience and then to, to love it so right. much. Right. Well, he came up, it must have been in 83 or 4, just with me. And then he hasn't missed a summer since then, basically. Mm. He loves it as much as we all do. And yeah. he's created his own experiences and his own memories and et cetera. We went to post camp for so many years. Yeah. And as a, as a couple, as a family, I mean, he's, he's as much a part of Ojibwa, I think, as, you know, any, any of us sure. are now. Because he has been there so, you know, a lot too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and the prep camp, um, now it is, we've, we've refined it. And yes, it's become... I know you've refined it and you've made it <laughs> your own cabin. Yeah. And but to be fair of, of that um, early group, I mean, those are the kids who were in that first and second group are the kids who have just gone through 14 now. Wow. And, right? and there's a lot of them that are still there. Yeah. Um, I was hanging out with David Meyer, who's Doug Meyer's yeah, yeah, kid, yeah. and he was in that first group. Uh -huh. And Bennett Preskill's the staff guy now, and uh -huh. he was in that group. And so, and, you know. And actually, Al was the, Alan was the first... Um, Ojibwa was the first camp to do any of that. Yeah. And then after Alan started that, then all the other camps started with that too. Right. They saw the, the blueprint and they were right. like, oh, this is the thing. Right. Oh, actually, while I have her over there and she can't argue, tell me a great story about your mom. Uh, <laughs> that, that's pretty. Well, the one about my dad, the image that I have of him besides the, you know, leading the lineups and the whistle and all that kind of stuff is... Um, Mommy might remember this, how he would lay on the bed in the cabin and read the newspaper. He would lay on, he, he, his only free time was for about 10 minutes, and he would lay on his stomach with the newspaper on the ground, remember? Well, with the light coming the from, the, with the light coming <laughs> from the window, whatever he was reading, a book or whatever it was. Yeah. And, um, and that was his only quiet time of the day, which was, he would always get interrupted, but there was also a time that I could be with him. Hmm. 
That's I, really cool. I think he asked you about tips. You I know, I me. know. I was stalling. <laughs> I was stalling. The greatest. Yeah. Aww. She's just the greatest. <laughs> well, that part, no doubt. But if there's a funny one or something that you remember, funny. that. My mom's not that funny. No, funny. Um, <laughs> hardworking, usually right. Yeah. <laughs> usually. Uh, she worked really hard at Ojibwa. She really did. I mean, she, you know, had to work underneath my grandmother. Sure. My nanny. Um, which I'm sure wasn't very easy. But um, she she was great. I mean, she, you know, really made, really made a place for herself at camp. Yeah. And all the kids loved her. All the counselors did. Everybody could go talk to her. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kids would just go in the office to say hi. Um, True. Yeah. Uh, well, what I wanted to ask you guys together, and um, I've heard a million guys tell me these stories. So I want to uh, just put it to you. Uh, it, in in one era, it is very clear that you are the most beautiful woman that ever walked on the grounds oh. of Camp Ojibwa, <laughs> and the boys will talk about it till they die. And oh, then in a later era, it passes on to you. So what I want to ask specifically from your perspective, how did you deal with that sort of attention? I mean, because that's obviously an aspect of what's going on at camp. You know, you're the only women at camp, or you're... How did you deal um, with the attention from the boys? Don't forget, way? there weren't very many women at camp. Well, we were the only women. We were the only women. So you know, it might be skewed. Fear. Right, what, it might be a little bit skewed well, their their opinions. Sure, but um, nonetheless, I mean, now you obviously you come you come to camp and you're married the whole time, but you're there. Yeah, you're, well, I wasn't allowed to wear a bikini. Oh, I, that, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, it was a re- it was actually a really big deal for me to work there. I mean, I had to get my grandmother's and my grandfather's permission and my right. grandfather I don't know if he was so into yeah. the idea you know at first and then he sat on it and then finally they said that I could work there yeah um I actually was able to bring up some friends along the way which the the campers and counselors named them Karen's friend number one Karen's friend number two <laughs> you know every summer everyone had a different KF1 KF2 um, but the really first funny. time I was bringing somebody up I was talking to my grandfather and I said oh I'm so excited my friend it was Laura was coming up and he's like and she was on the plane he's like, oh no what do you mean oh no she can't come up what do you mean she can't come up girls are not allowed at Camp Ojibwa oof <laughs> right. do you remember that I listen I had a hard time the whole time that I, you know, I couldn't have any friends up mm. and uh, couldn't ha- have my friend from Eagle River come play tennis. I, she wasn't allowed on the on Oh, wow. The Not even just to come over for the day. No, for the day, oh. for the hour. Wow. Okay. And I mean, it was really a boy's camp. Right. I mean, I, could, I guess I could envision the time period and the staying over. That would be one thing. But even just to drop by, I would think would be, wow. Yeah, it, it was an all boys camp. Wow. So... Uh, no, I don't specifically remember that, but I can imagine that. Yeah. And she was on the plane. <laughs> Finally, you know, he acquiesced and I said, you know, she wouldn't cause any problems and, you know, sure. we wouldn't go, she wouldn't go down, you know, I mean, right. we, we figured it out. And about every other week I had another friend come up for the, all the six years that I, um, worked there. Nice. And how did I handle all the boys? I hope that they thought that I became like one of them. Yeah. I went out with them at nights. I worked with them during the days. Um, I don't know. I, I tried to be, you did. I tried to be very proper and not, sure. you know, certainly 
you know, not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to floozy. Dressed it. appropriately. <laughs> right. I dressed appropriately. And, right. You know, I really tried to act appropriately and I, you know, played sports with them sometimes yeah. and, I mean, know, I just, I can, and skiing and, you know, I mean, I, I did, you know, I liked she to was there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just think I can imagine that, um, specifically for you guys, that's a, very tough line to sort of have to walk, like to sort right. of be in and that I position. Right, and I never wanted and, to disappoint, you know, right. my parents or my grandparents, you know, or Denny and Sandy, you know, could, because they had Rachel. So, right. you know, who knew if I was leading the way for her, which actually I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she went you to Agawak as well, right? She right, she followed, did. Yeah. She did. So, right. um, you know, that's how I handled it. I try to just be proper and fun and, 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 and do my job. Mm-hmm. I mean, these days, it and camp- I got my nights off. I mean, that was fun right. too. Yeah, and got to hang out with people, and yeah. then it was all just part of the thing. I would always thing. drive like the Campo Jubo wagon, and I filled it with mm. a lot of the counselors, <laughs> and you know, we went to town. That's awesome. You know, these days at camp, there are, I mean, twenty-five women who work at camp. Right. If you count all the um, international staff who come in for the kitchen staff, and half a dozen nurses, and mm-hmm. um, so it's just not so rare to see a girl walking right. around. And then, and the guest policy is a lot more open door than it once was. And people come and go and, uh, investors and families and things come and stay. So, uh, I think it's hard, even though we're at an all boys camp, quote unquote, and, and we think, Oh my gosh, we're just so, uh, kept away for the whole summer. We don't see anyone. I think it's much harder to imagine what it was like, what it was really like as you're describing it, you know, 30, 40 years ago when, no, they're literally were there no really other women. Weren't other women. <laughs> I mean, the, the kitchen staff, but as my mom said, they were older. Right, and you local, know? so they went home. Right? right, they went home at night. Well, they did have the kitchen quarters. Yeah, they had still. The kitchen. Oh, they still had. But that. they really weren't allowed on campus. They were allowed. <laughs> well, they weren't the type to go on campus either. Sure, I've seen some photos. Okay. <laughs> They don't strike me as the type that were like right. running around to go water skiing, for right. example. We get to the 80s and uh, everyone's decided it's time Al's going to sell the camp. And um, you guys are going to tell me a little bit about what that was like, about sort of the, the end of that era and what, what that was like and how tough it may have been to oh, it was give tough. up camp and all that kind of stuff. It was tough. But, you know, as my parents said to me, my grandfather wanted to retire. Um and my dad, at, can I say, didn't want the responsibility Absolutely. of owning a camp and running it. And he had done it for, you know, his whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, there was also a terrible accident at camp. I don't know if anyone's mentioned that to you. Uh, well, and I don't know if I should. Is it about someone dying? Yeah. Uh, yes. So I know a little bit about that with the boat or down yeah, by the waterfront. Right. right. And uh, that, that absolutely changed Mickey mm. and he's Mickey's a very sensitive person and when he had to uh, handle that situation and, and call the parents of that that counselor uh, and you can talk about all the um, safety aspects of a camp and how important they are but when you have to handle when you actually are dealing with the situation, you never know how you're going to feel or act at that particular time until after. Sure. And it had a devastating effect on, on Mickey. Well, it had a terrible effect on all of us, but he felt it most keenly. Mm. And it was after that that he said, I don't want to do this. Mm. Wow. So that's what changed his mind completely. 
And that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's I can't. You even... have to be a certain personality to run a camp because sure. there are so many accidents that can happen, and the awesome responsibility of taking care of someone else's children is on you all the time. Right. And you never get a break. There's no. You don't there get. There is a break. no break. Mm-hmm. That's right. It. Mm-hmm. And you can you can think you realize that when you become a parent, you really realize that, mm. and uh, that's what decided Nikki. Gotcha. And then I was just graduating college when they were probably starting to talk about it and everything. And I'm the oldest of the grandkids. Right. So it's not like my dad could have just kept the camp for, you know, a handful of years until I would have been ready or my brothers or my cousins. Right. You were never thought of as a possibility because you were a girl. Right. That was another Mm. thing. There's a big difference. And Billy, who probably would have loved doing it, wasn't of the right age. Yeah, he's was um, there three been grades two, younger than me, so he was just a freshman in college. There are mm. too many years in between. And who mm. knew what kind of job anybody would have of after course. college, and if that would allow for camp? Sure. It was a big. It was a big. Um, big decision. Yeah. It. Uh, it's interesting. I mean camp changes so much in the transition and, and some things stay the same, some things move on. But in the bigger picture, it seems like a lot of the uh, philosophies and the the real heart of what camp's about has always continued on and didn't really change drastically in that time. And I think that's a real, uh, that really speaks to your grandfather and your dad. <clears throat> well, and I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And especially because I got to view it through my boys. Yeah. And I agree with that a thousand percent. I think that um, Denny and Sandy have, and Joel and Rachel have done an incredible job of um, keeping the traditions and everything that goes with tradition and including, um, you know, like my grandparents were, you know, the utmost of the pillars of character. Mm. And they, Denny has brought that through the Ojibwe way, yeah, which absolutely. is what he calls it now, which are basically the pillars, you know, the six pillars of character. And, um, the kids adhere to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, the kids feel it and, and it's since day one of camp and today, uh, I put up something on the website, um, from the 1938 warrior. And in the beginning, Al had written a little something about the staff and how this is the kind of man who works at camp or whatever. And we just took it and used it this year. Cause uh-huh. it's just, I mean, right. it fits, it's perfect. Right. And, uh, I, I think Denny, you know, Denny's done an amazing job with camp and, there are some things that he does that are very, very different, but at the same time, you know, he's never taken Al's name off of anything or right. all uh-huh. that stuff. Like he, he understands the sort of tradition he's carrying on to that. It's a responsibility to camp. It's a responsibility to those first. And, and I, and I also books. happen to think that, um, with social media now, hmm. um, that, and I, I, I think this with the girls camps too, that everybody is even more so connected because it used to be where you, you know, you go to camp and you have your camp friends and then you go to school and you don't really see your camp friends at all or even right. really talk to them all year because they're in different schools and different places. Sure. Um, you know, it could be a long distance phone call, which is expensive at the time or maybe a letter, maybe, you know, maybe a letter. You really didn't communicate throughout the year. And that's what made camp so much fun was that you were able to, reunite back at camp every summer and that was just you couldn't wait to just see those familiar faces but a year older and um and but with social media now 
everybody stays so connected throughout the entire year. It's a day-to-day -day thing where you're keeping up with your cabin mates, your counselors, the people that used to go to camp. How do you have um, time for anything else? <laughs> it's kids, true. You do it. You do. Yeah. You know, kids do it. Oh true. It's but I think that um, I I don't want to say who's connected more and who. I, I think that it's the same heartfelt. Yeah. Heart heartfelt, for a love of camp, a place that brings so many wonderful people together. Yeah. But in two different ways because of the connected during camp and then, or you could be excited to see people after a whole school year. Yeah. Not. Just in my years at camp, I mean, social media wasn't a thing when I got there. And, uh, I mean, people, had, there were email addresses, but it was still very early on. Right. And just in those years, I've seen that change drastically and I have expected it to be, oh, well now it's just going to kind of become more of like, oh yeah, well here's these guys and we're going to go home and we'll see them at school. And then it's all, and then we're on Facebook. So it's all one thing. And it's amazing how there is still that specialness to the fact that it's at this place and in mm -hmm. this environment mm -hmm. with these people. So it's not, yeah, we can still talk to them or we can still see them or whatever, but now we get to go to this place together right. with them and we right. get to do this thing and we get to sit on the pontoon and go and down do to the point and do, do those things. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's really awesome. Uh, tell me a funny story about the boys. <laughs> I don't really have very many funny stories about the boys. You know, when I was, I when I was little at camp, they really they just funny. hung out with... Right. Um, the little kids. Yeah, the, you know, my, my younger cousins. Mm. Um, we hung out together. I mean, Susan, Julie, Margie, and Nancy, and Billy, and Barry, and, and Rachel, and David, and we all hung out. And it's not like there was anything funny going on. We were little, little kids. kids. Little kids. You are like a whole pack. I mean, you had yeah. half a cabin's worth of uh, right. little kids kind of all there together. a couple babysitters. Um, and as staff... I mean, I remember when I was on staff and they were still campers that I would always, you know, secretly root for their teams, mm, sure. you know, and I would want them to win or, you know, I would want them to go water skiing so I could teach them to water ski. You know, I still nice. they were my little brothers. Right. I made a point of never watching their activities because Mickey had told me when he was a camper that it uh, bothered him that Pearl would come out and and watch his, his activity to see how he was doing, and he felt it was pressure. So he said, I didn't want me to do that. Hmm. So I never watched the boys, in, or not many activities, very few. Uh, and don't forget, I hear stories now about them that I didn't know then, so <laughs> we aren't the ones to really give you that information. They were very successful at keeping things under wraps, apparently. Right. <laughs> well, we had to be. Sure. Well, you yeah. couldn't get in trouble. Right. That makes sense. I mean, you guys had to be the, you I had mean, to set I, the I tone for everyone I know one story about Barry and Ponch um, bringing in about nine or ten pizzas for the cabin <laughs> at night when they were counselors, and Denny caught them on the way in. Somehow he got wind of it and caught them on the way in, and they said that they were for themselves. And so Denny <laughs> made them eat them oh, <laughs> in front of him. <laughs> I don't think Billy was part of it. Well, it wouldn't Maybe have been Billy was. because Billy doesn't eat pizza. True, true. <laughs> he would have had a real hard time with that. <laughs> so oh, these guys funny. just having to eat That's nine one pizzas. story I remember. <laughs> well, the last question I always ask everyone, and this is going to be very, uh, because of your unique perspectives, this is going to be different, but I'll ask you and we'll see what happens. Um, I always ask everyone at this point, now you're a grown-up, um, arguably, uh, 
how has camp affected your life in the big way, in the big picture way? Oh, definitely people I've met and people I know uh, and all the personalities. Um, uh, wherever I go, I see people from camp and there are all these warm, fuzzy feelings, you know, because we shared something together. Hmm. Whether it's a parent or a, a camper or, or whoever, it's, you know, part of my history, too. Uh, and that was the great part about camp was the personalities and the people. So definite impact on me. Awesome. And I definitely think it shaped me as a person. I mean, I mean, I was there since I was one month old. I think we I went up on visiting day after mm-hmm. I was born, right? Four weeks. So <laughs> yeah. And uh, hmm. It, me too. I mean, I I don't go anywhere without seeing somebody from camp. Mm-hmm. Somebody saying. Always great things about a funny story about my dad, my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, my brothers. Um, everybody always asking how they are, you know, or what's up. And um, there, there's a camaraderie that you feel, a connection. I mean, yeah. even like, um, you know, campers' parents mm-hmm. would come up for, you know, and stay at the dad's lodge or a visiting weekend. And I run into them and I see them and you know, like even because I knew their son so well, you know, because right. you really did know each and every, I knew each and every camper. Um, I would help once in a while in the office, you know, especially with those envelopes. And um, I had to know everybody because of swimming and, you know, water skiing or boating or whatever. So I sure. really had contact with every individual camper. And um, it's completely I was, shaped I will me. say, I will say this about all three of my kids that camp helped them to develop personalities where they uh, weren't afraid or knew how to talk to people of all ages mm. and put their put themselves forward and uh, know how to talk to people and and deal with different situations because they were you know had that from day one yeah absolutely. it was a, a big aspect of their personalities right. you know but all my friends and relative relatives that didn't go to camp, you know, wherever I go, I see somebody that I know. And most of the time, it has to do with camp. And awesome. when I married my husband at our wedding, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were both political figures. My father-in-law mm. in politics, my mother-in-law um, with Israel and um, mm. charity work. And at the wedding, my mother-in-law's speech to us, and they always knew people wherever they went because of their connections. Sure. And my mother-in-law said, well, we finally met our match. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, it's just, it's just shaped. It's all around us. It hasn't Mm. even, it's more than shape. It's shape and heart and... um, That was good. And... Use that. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That is it. Another one in the books. Told you it was a good one. Reva and Karen were unbelievable. We had a great time. A lot of fun laughs. A few emotional tears, which I don't think you heard because I think we cut that out. Uh, I could not go the entire time without asking them about what it was like to be so loved and adored by the men of Ojibwa. I even got, I was a little embarrassed, honestly. I I don't think I asked it quite the way I should have. You know, I don't think I imparted on them how much... They really affected a whole generation of boys or two generations of boys. Anyway, enough of that. 
As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibbleHistory.org. And of course, just stop by the website, see what's going on over there. Always new stuff popping up, www.CampoJibbleHistory.org. The History Podcast National Tour continues. I am in Pensacola, Florida today, headed to New Orleans and Dallas later this week. But I'm going to be in Phoenix in two weeks, and I'm looking for guys out there. So if you know of anyone in Phoenix, please drop me an email, let me know. I want to interview them. Okay, that is it. You guys keep listening. I'll keep making them. For now, I'm heading out to the sunny Florida beach. <laughs> <laughs>